Welcome to the Adventure Days Podcast, where I show you how to travel the world and create the life that you deserve. From travel inspiration to self-improvement and more, Adventure Days has you covered. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Adventure Days Podcast. Today, I am being joined by Sophie Nick, a wellness and lifestyle coach based in Los Angeles. Sophie, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. No, it's my pleasure. So, you have some exciting news before we dive into whole, your whole story. You're going to be in New York uh, next week, you said? Yes, I will be in New York. I'm teaming up with a company that hosts wellness events on the East Coast, and I will be their Los Angeles ambassador. So very, very excited. <laughs> yeah, very excited for you. So I definitely want to talk a lot more about that, but why don't we just take a step back and you tell a little bit more of your story. Uh, I know you're from California originally, but how did you get involved and interested in psychology and especially would love to hear because a lot of times I try to relate my past struggles or things that I've overcome to then help other people. So as you tell your story, I'd love to hear kind of how your own personal challenges or opportunities to grow have impacted what you've done along the way. Okay. So I studied psychology in undergrad and how I got into psychology is kind of a funny story. Um, Kind of sad, but light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, So I had a psychology class in high school and I like absolutely fell in love with my professor. He was amazing. And during that time, I was actually being bullied in high school, which led me to dropping out. And I just, I became fascinated with why people do what they do, why they are the way they are, even more than I had been as a child. So I decided, okay, I dropped out, not ideal. I enrolled in community college. I took a bunch of psych classes. I transferred to a university up the central coast of California. I studied psychology there. And then once I graduated, um, I sort of had this moment of like, what do I want to do? So I was like the designated baker when it came to just parties, my house, everything. So I was like, I'm going to start a cupcake business. So I did that. And then I was left incredibly unfulfilled. Mm. And then I worked with an attorney and I worked in PR and I did all these things, but everything sort of led me back to psychology. Right. What about psychology appealed to you so much? I think that growing up, my upbringing was... I don't, it wasn't the healthiest. Uh, I have great parents, but it just, it didn't really work for me. Um, So I was always wondering why are they the way that they are? Like, why am I the way that I am? Why do people treat people the way that they treat people? I was always fascinated about those things. Mm. So going to school and becoming a marriage and family therapist seemed like the natural, like next step for me. Um, But while I was in grad school, my body image and my issues with food and all of that really became apparent. And I had noticed a pattern of constantly being in abusive relationships Mm -hmm. and, you know, having low self-esteem and low self-worth. So I started getting really into the food piece Mm -hmm. as well as the relationship piece. And then Mm -hmm. I studied nutrition and then the psychology of eating while I was in school. And then afterwards I was like, okay, I've 
done some self-work. I'm now like the food chick. So I specialized in eating disorders and worked at a treatment center after grad school. And I was just really unhappy there because I had a background in nutrition and I didn't agree with what they were doing, but right. I didn't say anything. And do you think you could have said like, had you been in that experience now, do you think you could have said something or was it just not the right situation for you? It's one of those things where as a therapist, as a clinician, you have a certain role and you can't step out of that. So me talking about nutrition or raising my concerns, that's just, that's a no-go. Okay. And part of being a clinician is that depending on where you work, there are certain rules about self-disclosure. So I wasn't necessarily allowed to speak to clients about my disordered eating or my upbringing. Yeah. Or so when someone told me that I can't do that or that like therapists, cause I'm a coach. So right. I guess I can do whatever cause we have different licensing. That's um, why I'm a coach now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think coaches are way better. Um, but yeah, someone was telling me like, I have a friend and she's in grad school for all this. And she's like, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do that. I mean, this is my personal tangent that I'm going to just close off in one second so we can get back no, to you. I want you to go on because so many people will be able to relate to you because you are literally about to say everything that I went through. So. <laughs> yeah, like some of the people who I, I mean, because everyone loves labels and certifications and everything, but whether it's like my spiritual teacher or my life coach, business coach, I even have a relation, sorry, relationship coach now. And some of these people, the most outlandish, like out of the box strategies that you can't learn in textbooks, or they're maybe they relate with something personal themselves and it helps me. I'm just like kind of a contrarian and like against a lot of these rules that I think were probably well intentioned initially. Right. But as you've probably experienced, just cause so many problems or red tape or get in the way of actually growth, which is at the end of the day what we want people to grow and evolve and overcome whatever they're going through. But anyway, that's just my, I really relate with what you're saying in that regard. Yeah. And I think that self-disclosure, I feel like there's a time and place for self-disclosure. I think that if it's genuinely helping the person that you're speaking with, then yeah. by all means go for it. But I think that if you're self-disclosing because you have your own stuff that you haven't dealt with and you're right. kind of like venting, then it's a little inappropriate in that like therapeutic setting. Of course. Um, yeah, so a lot of what was going on didn't sit well with me. I felt like I felt like I couldn't serve people in the way that I really wanted to and in a way that I was passionate about and like made me excited because it's like I get really like excited talking about these things and yeah. I go to work and I just like like it was I was not myself and I I was just not happy my relationship was suffering because of it. Um, I just wasn't fun to be around. And I was always that like fun friend. And I just, I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's like, I need to go and do my own thing, which wasn't easy. Yeah. Not, yeah. It's not like I just like woke up one morning and I was like, I'm going to quit my job. Yeah. Could you talk gonna, about that? So that was the transition from there to now being your own boss. Yeah. And, yes. Okay. Could you talk like as much as you're willing to about that transition? Because I've gone through a very similar past year. I left in February of 2017 to oh, do wow. my, yeah. So I'm very new also with this. 
And I mean, I can talk ad nauseum about it, but I'd love to hear another person's perspective on all this. You're following your passion, starting your own business, being your own boss and that whole thing. Yeah. So everything, I feel like everything happened quickly, but slowly. I'm not sure if that makes any sense to anyone who has not experienced it. Yeah. Um, But it was just one of those things where I like slowly started like mustering up the courage to leave. And I worked in a very toxic environment where everyone would just gossip a lot. So you started getting out that I wanted to focus more on coaching. Mm -hmm. And I was just offered a full-time position. I was working like 30 to sometimes 40 hours a week. And I said no to working full-time. Um, So my boss ended up cutting my hours from 30 to 10, Mm -hmm. which I was livid, but blessing in disguise. Mm -hmm. And what happened was I decided to go on vacation (laughs) because I was like, I'm working 10 hours a week. Like, this is absurd. So I told her I was going to go on vacation. She said no. And I just like started sobbing and I was like, I quit. And she asked me to stay for a little longer, which again, blessing in disguise, because it gave me time to like really figure everything out. Yeah. But I wasn't necessarily expecting to quit in the way that I quit. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't expecting to like just be forced to sort of go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when you first start a business, a lot of your own stuff comes up. And no one tells you that. Mm-hmm. So it's been this journey of quitting my job. And I'm like, oh, shit. Am I allowed to curse on this? I don't know. Cursing is encouraged. That's great. As long as, don't curse at me. Curse to the universe. Never. Never. <laughs> um, so I was kind of like, oh, shit. Like, I, what? Like, I guess I have to do this now. And it was terrifying, but also really cool because I was able to create something that I genuinely love and that I'm passionate about and that I get excited talking about. Um, but I don't know, for me personally, it wasn't a super easy transition and the inner work that I've had to do since taking on this new role is insane. Like I hired a business coach. I've hired like a life coach. I hired another coach. Like I was just like hiring people left and right. Cause yeah. I was, I have so much stuff coming up and mm-hmm. I have been in and out of therapy for most of my life. Like I was just always that kid who was like, okay, like I should probably go to therapy. And like, I would do that. And so it's not like I ever thought I was perfect, but I never realized that there was still so much work to be done and no one told me that going into it. Totally. I think that's actually been harder than like the marketing and like getting my message out and yeah. stuff like that. It's really that inner work. Like you realize how much support you need and yeah, no one tells you, but it's no, really that, Yeah, that's so true. You know, I, I can recall back on being, you know, maybe five years ago and having a tough relationship and just a lot of problems in my life and people close to me, like being like, you need therapy, like go to therapy. And I, and I wasn't able to, I think part of my problem was I just, I thought it was everyone else's fault. You know, it was really easy to just blame other people or externalities. And I've since learned so much about taking responsibility and control and power in your life or my own life. 
But at the time, I wasn't able to hear it until things got so bad. And sometimes mm-hmm. someone came to me once and said, Brendan, when you go to all these events and you see all these people doing this amazing work on themselves, you know, what, what quality do you see? Like what makes people work on themselves? And I think sometimes it's the people who have had it harder or hardest Mm -hmm. in their lives where they're sort of forced to figure out answers. Like, why am I depressed? Why do I, you know, what's going on in my life? And I'm actually really grateful for all these very bad things that happened to me in my past because it pushed me to do this. But I want to ask you, what would you say just to a listener out there whose life is like fine, like they didn't have an abusive past, they don't have like alcoholism or something, but maybe they just like, they know that they're not doing their dream job. You know, everyone would benefit from a coach or a therapist in some way. How do you help encourage people to go check that out? So I want to know what's stopping them and like what that roadblock is, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. what is preventing you from taking that next step? Like, what are the stories that you've been telling yourself? Like, mm-hmm. are you afraid of failure? Are you afraid that no one gives a shit about what you have to say? Like, mm-hmm. what is it? Like, and working through that. Because the thing is, is that all of us tell ourselves stories about ourselves. And the thing is, is that these, they can be positive stories. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the times it's the negative ones that really fuck with us. Yeah. And Chances are, I don't want to blame parents, but it's like, chances are whoever raised you yeah. is the one who sort of put that story in your head. But the way that I like to look at it is that you can rewrite your story. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is just exploring what is holding that person back and why. Yeah, that's, that's, it's so true. It's the, it's fear of, I don't want to be vulnerable or mm-hmm. in denial about because there, usually there's a lot of pain associated with going and exploring yeah. those emotions yeah. and people don't want to go there. So, so how do you help someone who has this wiring or software or these limiting beliefs, you know, their parents hammered into them at a young age? How do you undo that? So it does take time, but an exercise that a mentor of mine actually taught me that I find incredibly helpful and... <laughs> No one saw that. Don't yeah, worry. I'll take that out. Don't worry. Just edit it out. No. Um, an exercise that's very helpful is to write down your top 10 judgments. Mm. And I, I wish I had my notebook. Like, here, like the way you're ju- like self-judgment, self-criticism yeah. type stuff? Yes. So any self-criticisms that you have. And then to literally sit there and say, I forgive myself for thinking this way. I forgive myself for feeling this way. So you are literally forgiving yourself. And I know that it sounds super cheeseball, but I swear it helps. And then what you want to do is reframe that judgment. So for me, when I first started my business, Mm -hmm. I felt like I wasn't doing enough. And like the reason for this is, is that I come from a background where I have a lot of entrepreneurs in my family. Mm -hmm. Like my dad's in real estate, my brother's in real estate and everyone around me is very much like you have to put in 12 hours a day like you're just putting in three what are you doing and I was like and I literally like be so hard on myself I was like what am I doing I'm like I'm not doing enough like I would panic so I had to reframe that to I am doing the best I can you know Mm -hmm. like this is how I work I have like three to four hours of me being super productive Mm -hmm. and then I rest the day to be creative to just work on things here and there. And that's how I am. And that is okay. 
And for my business, like I don't need to take advice on coaching from a real estate developer. Yeah. Who's probably working too much and not taking good enough care of himself. Amen to that. (laughs) Sorry, I don't mean to call out your dad or anything. No, no, it's fine. But it's a lot of reframing. It's a lot of forgiving yourself. And it's a lot of reframing those thoughts and judgments and really just being compassionate. Yes. You know what I mean? It's self-compassion is key. And unfortunately, we're not taught that in school the same way that we're not taught self-love or self-care. Like we're just not taught that. Totally. I, uh, I was just going to share the, the same thing of when I, when I was in school and I did like extended schooling, I went to undergrad law school, got my MBA. And I was always, I was happy in that, in those parts of my life because mm-hmm. I had much more control of my schedule and my life because I could either go to class or I didn't even need to. I just get the notes. I'd study on my own, do this work on my own. And like you said, three hours a day, like I'd go to the library just bang out the work in three hours yeah and then I'd spend and then when everyone else was like um I'd be like hey are you guys going to this party and they'd be like they'd be like no like we're gonna stay in the library and work tonight on like a Saturday night and that never made sense to me because half the time they're just spending that 12 hours but they're just sitting there talking with their friends in the library anyway and I'm like I'd much rather and this is just my personal preference I'd much rather do what you do the three four hours bang it out and then have my life for the rest of the time to travel and hang out with friends and go to the gym. And then it was all great until I graduated and I got to wall street and I was in New York city and I get in, it's like nine in the morning and someone gives me my work to do for the day and I finish it before lunch. And then it's like, I go to the gym for an hour during lunch and people are like already mad at me for doing that. People probably hate it. Yeah. They're like, why is this guy at the gym? He's not working hard. And then it's, it's like one in the afternoon and like nobody's doing any work. And it's like, obviously you can't go home from a wall street job at one. Yeah. So so you sit around and then like someone gives you work later or you're just expected to have this FaceTime. And I hated that. And I, I just, I love the ability obviously to be my own boss and work whenever I want. But I think this whole like nine to five or in New York, it's often like nine to nine, just come in and like you're at your desk. I think 80% of that time is wasted. And if you just, yeah. Anyway, that's just, I, I really resonate with your, that yeah. three hour thing you said. And I'm so glad that we both spoke about this. Cause I feel like a lot of people are hard on themselves when it comes to stuff like that, especially when they're first starting their business, because there are so many, or how do I say this? I feel like so many people have an opinion about how other people should do things yeah. and people don't realize, or they don't, I don't know. They don't acknowledge the fact that everyone does things differently and that's okay. Like that's like, you're chilling. If you're happy doing what you're doing, then do it. Don't listen to random people who aren't even doing what you want to do. Totally. So, so what do you do now? So right now I'm doing one-on-one coaching and it's wellness and lifestyle. So what that means is, at the core of it all is that I focus on self-love. So I do have clients who come in for things like weight loss or an unhealthy relationship with food, but I personally believe that that's all just a symptom of something larger. And then for lifestyle clients, it's basically just life coaching. So people will come to me for different problems. It'll be 
even communication, because I do have a background in therapy. Um, so it'll be things like communication, improving their current relationships, even leaving their jobs. So mm. it's a very broad spectrum. That's really amazing that you can cover so much ground like that. I mean, I went to school for it. So I was like, I'm going to do it. Like, yeah. No, good for you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're still doing some stuff around food and nutrition. Yeah. And we, I'd love to maybe spend a few minutes talking about that. I, I've personally found that a lot of times when people have problems with food, it doesn't have anything to do with food and it's about... 100%. Yeah, so I'd love... I don't know if anyone's listening right now who's dealing with any kind of weight-related issues or food, um, unhealthy relationship with food, but I'd love to hear... Um, more as much as you're willing to share about your personal journey with that and then definitely how you help other people in that regard. Yeah, of course. So growing up, I was very, very, very thin. Mm-hmm. And then I had some not so great stuff happen. So I became an emotional eater. Mm-hmm. And then I gained a bunch of weight because I turned to food for comfort. Mm-hmm. And then that's sort of during that time was when I was getting bullied now for being overweight. Um, so I ended up befriending people who had eating disorders and it became like this weird little like clan of us like binging together. And then like one of them would go purge and then I would like restrict the next day. It was a very unhealthy environment, but I like clung to those people. And that was, that's how I felt like I could gain control in my life. Yeah. And I have a lot of stuff going on and food was just easy for me to turn to. And then on top of that, I grew up with a mom who struggled with her weight. So I was constantly around that. Like I need to lose weight. Like I need to do this. I need to do that. Like always dieting, like that mentality of always focusing on it. Yes. A hundred percent. And I feel like it was a lot of like accidentally criticizing me. Like things were coming from a place of love, but because I was so fragile I took everything very, very personally. So the, like having disordered eating was just like, it was like obvious. Like I, it was, it was bound to happen to me. And the older I got and the more I actually started liking myself was when I realized like, I had this moment of like, what the fuck are you doing? Cause like, I could like look at a plate and know the calories in it. Like I got into a fight with my friend once because I was restricting that day and she like shoved a grape in my mouth. I was like 16 and I literally like spat out the grape, started yelling at her. Like it was intense Mm. and it really and truly just like took over my life. Mm -hmm. And my relationship with food was very much like my relationship with my family. And it was the same as my relationship with whoever I was dating at the time. So it was all very dysfunctional. And as I got older and as I started studying the psychology of eating and like getting more into all that stuff, I realized that how we eat is how we do life. Like our relationship with food pretty much mirrors our relationship in other areas of our life. So for me, it's important to kind of like (laughs) share that little nugget of wisdom with people because it really helps them to thinking. And then once they have that awareness, that's when they can choose whether or not they want to change. So my, and here's another thing though. It's like your relationship with food will improve and you can have 
like right now I consider myself to have a pretty healthy relationship with food, but mm-hmm. it's like always that voice that kind of pops up. Mm-hmm. And when you have that self-love and you have that self-worth, you can tell that voice to shut the fuck up. Yeah. So that's what I Hell yeah. And I'm glad I can curse on this. Thank you. I was like worried, but that's, that's more of my jam and, you know, letting people know like, Hey, this is a symptom of something greater. You know what I mean? It's like so many people turn to food for comfort because it's so easy. Like it's so accessible. Like it's, you can go into a 7-Eleven at any age and buy food. You know what I mean? It's just, it's easy. Yeah, especially in our country where there's so much emphasis on just layering in bacon and fat and sugar into yeah. everything we eat. It's like it's like this drug that we don't realize is a drug that's accessible and it's not illegal and it's pushed on us anyway. So it's actually like you're in the wrong if you're not abusing food in some way. Yeah, and I think that it's a lot more common than people think. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people have disordered eating and don't even realize that they do. It's like, I know people who are like, like in LA right now, like gluten-free is very big. Mm -hmm. Everyone's gluten-free. And I'm like, you have celiacs? Like, (laughs) like, I'm not hating on anyone who's choosing that lifestyle, but I'm always like, is like, do you have an actual, you know, where you can't eat it? Like, is it like, I want to know. Yeah. And they're eating like frozen gluten-free chocolate chip waffles. And And I'm, which is like if that works for your lifestyle it works like I'm not trying yeah. to bash on anyone but I'm always yeah. like I'm always thinking like I think there might be some food stuff there yeah. I don't say anything unless someone comes to me with that but yeah. well, okay well that first of all <laughs> thank you for sharing these miracles because my mind is being blown as you speak but mm-hmm. I just like I had all these other questions that hopefully we have time to come back to but one thing you just said is you try not to push it unless they come ask for you. In my life, I've done all this work on myself. I now coach other people. Mm-hmm. And I can just look at someone on the street and be like, oh, their mom abused them or whatever. Like you can just see the way they talk, the way they eat. Yeah. The way they... How do you be respectful of people's boundaries? Because a lot of times I want to be like, this. I know this will help you, but you don't want to, especially with friends, because I'm trying to, separate clients from friends and I have this friend and I love the guy just as an example and mm-hmm. I, I, like, I know this will help you but how do you not be pushy or start to become that like preacher type role so what I do I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer I literally shut my mouth and I I like doing Instagram stories and yeah. all of my Instagram stories, I have like very like silly, like funny ones that are like not, that have nothing to do with even my brand. Like it's just like me being like silly and like over caffeinated. But a lot of what I talk about are conversations that I have with people in my life. So it's whether it's a client, my mom, my dad, my cousin, my friend, whatever. So I always kind of unintentionally like sneak in a little like nugget. Like I went on like a rant about self-worth. Um, mm-hmm few weeks ago and how if like a relationship isn't working for you you need to drop them like I was getting like really preachy on my Instagram <laughs> but I knew that the people or that specific person who needed to hear it would end up hearing it right so it wasn't directly like it wasn't directed towards them but 
I use that as a platform to talk about it and to sort of raise awareness. Mm -hmm. I also don't sit there and talk about like my current relationship's amazing. Like, look at me. Like, I don't do that. Like I keep real and I'm like, yo, like I was in some pretty fucked up situations Mm -hmm. and like how I got out of it. Right. Um, Yeah. So I use Instagram stories as a way to reach people on that level. Yeah. That's beautiful. I've, I've used Instagram to basically build my entire business. And one of my core products right now is an Instagram course teaching people how to grow their message using Instagram. So after we finish this, I'm happy to invite you into the program as my guest. Because oh my think, God, you're amazing. I'd love that. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, I mean, you're the ideal person because I have, I now have a former professional NFL player in the program. I okay, have, um, I have Aaliyah Rose. She's, she goes on the Disney channel. Her mom is her manager. So mm-hmm. this group has become it started as like, I'm good at Instagram and I need to make money because I have my new job now mm-hmm. to, I find these amazing people like you. And I found you on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> I find these amazing people who have these messages that instead of going to 10,000 people or however many followers you have, go to a hundred thousand or 500,000 or a million. And so you can really, I mean, cause what you're, this is, this is like something that everyone needs to hear and everyone can benefit from. So we'll, we'll talk about that after, but I'm excited. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So the other thing that you mentioned about food was the way people handle food is sort of the way they handle life. And that just reminded me of someone I know who was in a not so great place years ago and has come such a long way and is this awesome, great friend of mine. And I remember like issues with food in the past. And then as he became this happier person, that one away too. So, yeah. so when someone comes to you and they say, Sophie, you know, I'm have this eating stuff going on. Do you talk about that? Do you just talk about like how to make them happier and love themselves more? Do you do both? I do both. So I'm not a nutritionist or I guess I'm not a registered dietitian. So I don't give clients a specific meal plan. So what I do is I tweak their current diet slowly. So if someone's eating a super processed breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the first Mm -hmm. thing that I will do is change their breakfast to something that's less processed. That's how I focus on like the dietary part, because a lot of people are like, give me a diet. Mm -hmm. That's what's making you sick. (laughs) That that mentality, the the on off diet mentality. So I do slowly switch them over to more nutrient dense foods and more nutrient dense options, but I always ask them about their childhood, their relationships, you know, like what's going on with you. And I actually ask them about eating speed. So a lot of people who are like stressed out and like do life like very fast, like they are fast eaters. And I'm like, yo, we need to (laughs) down a notch. So I'll give little like homework exercises each week. So the first week might be, you know, slow down or, you know, like eat without any distractions. I also ask about that because a lot of people, and when I first started out, I was working with kids, their parents just hand them the iPad and they're like, here you go, like go on your iPad while you eat. And I'm like, this is contributing to your child, like struggling with his or her weight. Mm -hmm. So I make little changes and it's like each week, that's what I focus on. It's like a little mini change, but I also tackle the emotional piece during my sessions with clients. 
because right. I think that there's always a lot of stuff that's like built up and that they haven't ever worked on or they've, you know, that they just haven't wanted to because it's too painful. Yeah. 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 I really appreciate you sharing that piece about eating speed because mm-hmm. I, I'm going through this life transition right now where I used to work on wall street and it's like, it's like a casino. Like the lights are always on, the air conditioning is always on, there's no windows, food is free, drinks are free. You know, oh it's like, God. they just want to keep you there as long as you can. Um, and they, it's very common, uh, probably in LA too, at most like big corporate offices, yeah. they pay for you. We have something called seamless web where you just order your meals um, it's like, it's categorized most of the restaurants in New York city online. You just pick the restaurant and then it delivers it right to your door or actually in, in offices, they'll bring it right to your desk. Like they'll take it up to the elevator. Your secretary puts it on your desk. And now nice. you don't even, you're so disconnected from the mindfulness or gratitude yeah. of this meal where you're like sitting at the desk and then your secretary puts the salad there and you just like literally you're just like eating and working. Yeah. yeah. You're like, just like, you forget that you've even eating and then you're like hungry an hour later. Cause you just like scarfed it all down way too fast. Um, so one thing now, so I left, I left that job obviously, and I'm now doing my own business. And then I fell into this trap, like you were saying, where you had people around you encouraging you to work 12 hours a day. And like, and then I, I sort of fell into this online business world where people are making seven figures, eight figures, like sharing income reports online. And once I started making a lot of money, I was like, Oh, I want to be like them. And subconsciously. Right. Right. Wanted, that makes sense. It's what you're looking at all day or yeah. you know, part of your day. Yeah. Makes exactly. Sense. And, and so now I'm working with some of my coaches on mm-hmm. slowing down. Like I actually just made a deal with one of my coaches this morning that at 10 p.m., everything needs to be off phones, computers, internet, and I'm because it's going to help me go to bed earlier. And mm-hmm. we just installed uh, this program onto my computer that pauses my email inbox. Oh, wow. So new emails can't even come in. So at like 9 p.m. every night, it's paused and it doesn't turn on until next morning. Wow. What is that called? It's called Boomerang for Gmail. Okay. I need to use that. Yeah, I just set it up and I mean, I've been using Boomerang for years actually, but I, they just unroll or unveiled this pause feature recently. And I was always afraid. I had a lot of fear about hitting that pause button and about going offline and we're working through all that, but it's kind of similar to the food and just slowing everything down and being more mindful. Yeah, I think that being a mindful eater is hard and it takes time mm-hmm. but it's also very very doable because we do or I mean at least LA and New York New York is more fast-paced than LA mm-hmm. but it is very much like go 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 and so people are like eating in their cars you know eating while they're working mm-hmm. eating watching tv that's like a big one yeah. so it's we're just, that's how we were raised. And so people don't realize that they really need to slow down because whenever you eat quickly, your body is put in the stress response. Like, you know what I mean? Like your body just thinks that you're stressed out. And so whenever that happens, that messes with your digestion. Like you're not digesting your food properly. And whenever that's happening, you're not absorbing the nutrients as well as you could be. So it's like everything sort of connected. People will say things like, well, my diet's great. 
you know, I'm like active, I'm this, I'm that. And I'm like, okay, so their quality of food is good, but what is their eating speed? And they're like, oh, I eat really fast. Like I'm on the go. And I'm like, that's why you're having digestive issues. Like, that's why, like, it's, it's all so connected. And a lot of people don't realize that. So what, what should like an ideal situation look like in terms of eating? (laughs) Like the meal, like, where do you sit? Uh, What do you, do you do anything? Is it just you with the food? Also, like if you're alone, um, like, can you read a newspaper? I, I'm, I'm just, what's the ideal setup for eating speed and situation? So ideal setup would be eating at a table where you are sitting down on a chair. You don't <laughs> okay. have any distraction. So many people eat standing up, but anyways, I'm not going to rant about that, but oh. sitting down at a table, like properly without any distractions. So no newspaper, no cell phone, no TV, no book, no notebook, just focus on what you're eating, you Mm -hmm. know, and sit up straight. You don't want to be slouched down. (laughs) (laughs) But just really paying attention to what it is that you're eating and what it is that you're putting in your body and just being grateful for the food that's in front of you and ask for what should be on your plate. I'm a firm believer in listening to what your body wants. If you really want some pizza, go eat some pizza. Because Mm -hmm. chances are, if you're like, I'm not going to let myself eat pizza, you're going to go binge on pizza. Yeah. You can get out of that by having a slice of pizza and, you know, like, I don't know, a side salad. What even no salad? Whatever. So just being, just listening to your body, honestly, and, you know, not depriving yourself and just eating slowly and I feel like when people ask me like what does eating slowly look like I'm like it's so hard to explain I'm just like slower than what you're doing right now yeah if you I mean that's that's coming from a place of what they're really saying is like I don't want to slow down yeah I'm just like you're just a little slower than what you're currently doing is an improvement um because you really just want to chew your food like none of that like someone was like yeah, I was told to chew my food 50 times and swallow it. I was like, what? That's like, like in New York. I was like, doesn't your jaw hurt? Like, what? Like, oh, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know your mouth. Like, I don't know your body. Like, I just have to do things out. I can see it. He's like, 49, 50. Exactly. And I feel like that prevents you from eating mindfully because then you're focused on the counting. That's... That just reminds me so much of like in New York City, we have all these people who sit at a desk for 12 hours a day, don't stretch, don't do yoga. And then they have these watches that tells them they're supposed to get like a thousand steps a day or 10,000 steps. And then they're like walking around in their office, like trying to get the steps. I was like, why don't you just go to the gym for like 40 minutes, you know? Not even go for like 20 or 30 if that's what works for you. Yeah, whatever works for you. Just crazy. I just think it's funny. They're like, oh. Check, got my steps, I I got my chews, I can swallow this food now. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's really funny how you said just listen to your body because I think that our body really has all the answers if we just allow ourselves to get out of our head and back into the body. Yes, yes. I was talking to one of my coaches this morning and we were we talked for a little bit and then he was like, All right, what do you want to focus this session on? And I was up in my head and I was like, oh, I don't know. There's like this thing, this thing, this thing. I was just like listing all these things. And he's like, 
put your feet on the ground. <laughs> so I did. He said, sit up tall. <laughs> to take a few deep breaths. Like, notice like three things in your room. And then we did a few more breaths. And then he said, what do you, what should we talk about today? And I said, oh, there's this huge thing that's been bothering me all week. Let's, we need to talk about this one thing. I knew immediately. Yeah. Because I was able to. You were grounding yourself. So what he did with you was a grounding exercise. Okay. Do you do that? Can you share how to do that with listeners? Yeah. So exactly what you explained is like one of, it's a grounding exercise that you can do pretty much any and everywhere. Mm -hmm. So it's literally sitting up straight, like becoming aware of your body, putting your feet on the ground and then becoming aware of your surroundings. So chances are he probably asked you to point out like name like one green thing in your room or one black thing in your room or you know what I mean so it's like looking right now. <laughs> like looking around but it's yeah it's just helping you to become more aware of your surroundings and to be you know just more in your body because you're becoming aware of your posture and you know where your feet are what's underneath your feet So that actually helps to calm people down, especially with the breathing. That is key because so many people don't breathe properly. Like they don't breathe properly. They don't do like the deep inhale and then the, I don't care if you sound crazy, but you need to hot it out. Yeah, just hot it out. (laughs) You make a t shirt that says, I'm going to start, yeah, I should start like a breathing. I don't know, a breathing coaching. I'm like, hide out. That'll be my tagline. I love it. I mean, I, I don't know if you can tell, but I just feel so much more relaxed in the past minute just doing this. You can be the spokesperson for hiding it out. For hiding it out by Sophie Nick at <laughs> Sophie Nick LA on Instagram. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about sleep. Yes. Because I'm assuming that has come up with some of your clients and how do you coach people on sleep? So what I tell people to do, and honestly, sometimes it is hard for me to do. Mm-hmm. I'm all about transparency. Yeah. Put your phone away. Mm. Don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. Even if you need to start with like an hour before bed and then yeah. slowly take it up to two, three hours because it messes with your internal clock. And then there's so much stimulation that it just keeps you awake. Like there are times where um, I will just be on my phone and then I'm like, why can't I sleep? And it's because I was just on my phone. I just saw like 900 million images on Instagram. I just watched a YouTube video about like, I don't like what's in my bag. Like the most like random thing. I'm like, what is this? And it's like, it really does mess with you. So my number one tip is to put the electronics away. Put mm-hmm. anything that's like super visually stimulating away. Yeah. And for me, like reading a book before bed helps. And like not, I like I don't do the whole Kindle iPad thing. It's a like, real book. A real book, old school. Mm. Like that's what helps me. And like, oh, even putting my phone on airplane mode at night yes. helps me. And the reason why is because I just became so used to like waking up, rolling over, checking emails, checking Instagram, doing like, no, like that stuff can wait. So now instead I will put my phone on airplane mode and I'll like text my boyfriend. I'm like, 
I'm alive. I'm okay. Phone will be on airplane mode until I'm done with my morning routine. And um, yeah, then it's like my alarm will go off. I'll do my whole gratitude checklist. And Mm. then that's when I'll like slowly kind of be like, okay, it's time to turn your phone on. So what is a grat? I mean, I know what it is, but for the listeners, talk about gratitude checklist. So gratitude. Okay. So I firmly believe that gratitude will change anyone's life. Mm -hmm. Like on mornings that I don't do my gratitude practice, I'm not super pleasant to be around. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's like, I will just be like the weirdest funk. And I won't get out of that funk until I'm like, girl, like sit down and like write out your list. Like you have so many things to be grateful for. So what I like to do is, this is from a book called The Magic. Um, The same author as The Secret. So what I do is every morning, I write out a list of 10 things that I'm grateful for and why. And I feel like when I write down the why part, that's what really helps me to like genuinely feel that gratitude. And then after I've written my list out, I will reread each item on that list. And then I'll say thank you three times afterward. And no joke, like it'll take me from like Oscar the Grouch to like, just like happiest person ever. I'm like, hey guys, like it's a beautiful day. Um, But yeah, it really, really, really helps because it's like, you just start to realize how many things you have that you are grateful for. You know, it's like, I'm grateful for my bed. I'm grateful for my pillow. You know, like I'm, I'm grateful for my hands, my feet, you know, for this podcast. It's like, you just, it really just puts you in that like positive headspace. And I feel like whenever you start off on like a positive note, you end up attracting more positive things and Mm -hmm. you're more pleasant nice people want to talk to you. Like, it's like, it doesn't hurt you. And yeah, it takes, it takes me 10 minutes. Cause I like really like to write it out, but anyone can do this. Like you can literally be in the shower and just be like, I am grateful for this water that feels nice on my skin. You know what I mean? Like it, you can do it in the shower. You can do it in the bathroom. You can do it on the subway mm-hmm. in your Uber taxi while you're making your coffee, whatever, just do it. If you don't want to do 10, do five. Yeah. But like start your day with gratitude and I promise you it will help you. That's, that's amazing. I have a friend who he's just always, he's always grateful. Like he's just happy to be alive. He's excited to just go for a bike, like a bike ride will change his life. Like, yes. Like he just takes it. Yeah. No, gratitude has, has changed my life and it's, there's a, there's a meditation that I do. One of, one of the meditations that I do is, is focused on gratitude primarily. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, you, it leads into the meditation and then it sort of concludes with, and the, the bulk of it towards the end is picking three memories or three things in your life that you're so grateful for. And you go into each one and you visualize it like when you were there at the time happening, mm-hmm. you feel it in your body and more often than not, when I do that meditation and it's a 14 minute meditation, I'm crying by the end. Wow. And, and it's like, and it can be the same things that I'm doing, the same three uh-huh. things. It's usually something with my dog, something with, um, yeah, I have a chihuahua over on the couch. So cute. Um, my dog, my new business, my health, 
Um, I had this one vision of when I was in uh, my old building in Chelsea and my personal trainer came over and he was telling me to start my own Instagram and business. And I was um, writing on my iPhone. I was like, how do I monetize it? And he was like telling me all the things to do. He gave me the idea for my whole business. Mm -hmm. uh, shout out to Geppetto in LA, actually, if you're listening. Love you, Geppetto. Geppetto's Don't the man. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's just like, I'm so grateful for that one moment in our building gym in, my, in that uh, apartment and just writing that out because that changed the course of my life forever. And it's, it's wow. hard not to cry tears of joy when I go through that gratitude. And then when I'm done, I'm like you, I just feel like it's the best feeling I could ever have. Yeah, it's, it honestly is a game changer. And I, I wasn't always a believer. Mm -hmm. I used to just think like, oh my God, these people are so weird. Yeah. Like, or they're like, this one thing can like change the course of their day. And I'm trying to think once I get into spirituality and all that, honestly, like somewhat recently. And I was just like, why haven't I been doing this? Like, mm -hmm. I'm great. Like you said earlier, like you're grateful for everything that you've gone through in your life. You know, like, especially the bad stuff, because I genuinely believe that yeah. people who really go through that bad shit can handle it. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's up to us to really share our story and to inspire people and to help people get out of similar situations. Mm -hmm. But I do think that my life would have been a little easier had I known about these things earlier on. Yeah. You know, like, and had I, if I had someone who could just make Come on, you're not 60 years old, though. I know, I'm not. I'm actually so young. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Because I have experience, but like, yeah. yeah. For people who can't see my face right now, I'm not 90. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, I just feel like it really would have helped me. Or to even hear people say things that I wasn't ready to hear. Mm -hmm. Have that, I would have really appreciated. And, totally. you know, grateful for well, think about it now. You're you're spreading this knowledge to everyone who ever interacts with you on your Instagram, your clients, and your and if you work with kids, especially. Yeah. Yeah. My story has it's actually really hard for me to work with kids, so I've stopped working with kids. But what I've I think it's just it's very it's just it's too sad for me when I Okay, but here's the thing. I believe that the adult is like the wounded child, mm -hmm. but for some reason, just seeing that little kid and interacting with them one-on-one, -on -one, it like breaks my heart. So mm -hmm. I do feel like the kids that I have worked with have benefited from me because I have shared my story, but sure. it's, it's so hard for me yeah. that in order to protect myself, I just don't do it. And I know people who are amazing with kids. So it's not like I leave anyone hanging. <laughs> like I will refer them to someone. No, that, but that, that's a really important point. Um, first of all, that's so amazing that you can make that connection and say, you know, this isn't a good thing for me to do because it's our responsibility to, to help others. But primarily, number one responsibility is first to help ourselves because we have to take care of ourselves and we can't be martyrs because if we do, it actually hurts everyone long-term because if you do work with those kids 
even though you're thinking maybe, oh, but I'm doing the right thing, I'm helping them, by hurting yourself, you're actually going to be hurting them. And in the future people you work with, you're not going to maximize your potential. Yeah. And that was exactly why I had stopped because initially I, I was kind of like handed the kid clients. Mm -hmm. It was very easy for me to get them. And so when I first started out, I was like, okay, this is perfect. Mm -hmm. Like I got like, got my first client, like the moment I told someone I was a coach, you know what I mean? So it was kind of like convenient. And then I'd always had a soft spot for kids, but then the more I did it, the more I was just like, I, I can't do this. Like I can't help them, you know, to the best of my ability when I don't feel good. I mean, that's the only way I can explain it. Like it just didn't feel good for me. It didn't feel super aligned with what I wanted to do. It's just, yeah, yeah, I was like, I can't, I was like, thank you. Like the money is nice, but I don't. No, if if, if it's not. (laughs) Like it's not worth it for me. Yeah. I mean, for me, if it's not a hundred percent, it's zero percent. And I go find what's filling for me. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, do you do any relationship coaching, helping couples? So I haven't been doing that in my coaching practice, but that's actually what I, I was the designated couples therapist at the treatment center that I worked at. You used to. Yeah, I like loved it. But yeah, with coaching, I just, it honestly just hasn't come up. I feel like a lot of the people I work with, yes, they want to work on their current relationships, but it's also like, I want to be more dateable. Like, how come I can't find a man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, more lot stuff. And I'm like, dude, like you don't like yourself. Like, how do you expect someone to treat you properly when you're not treating yourself nicely? Right. More of, it's been taking more of that path, which is actually fun for me because I like love relationship stuff. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. I could talk about that for hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> very like relevant in my life, especially, you know, being in my late twenties. Mm-hmm. So it's just, yeah. Helping people find the right person. And a lot of that is, you know, has to do with their relationship with themselves. Yeah. It's so funny you say that because it's true. It's, it's the same thing with, I want to be healthier with my food. I want to be healthier or I want a better job. I want a girlfriend, boyfriend. It start. it always starts with you. A hundred percent. A hundred. Yes. Yeah. It's like people come to me like, Brendan, um, there's no, no good. I mean, you hear it more from women because there's like apparently three times as many women as men in New York city. Um, that's a crazy stat by the way. Yeah. So you hear it, you hear it a lot from women in New York coming to me for coaching and they're like, Brendan, there's no good guys in New York. And I'm just like, there are, um, but what are you doing about it? Like, what, what are you doing about it? Are you going out there? Are you being proactive? Are you on dating websites? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you doing the emotional, the psychology mm-hmm. about building yourself up? Um, and I, again, it just kind of ties into my past of blaming externalities. My boss is the worst. My job is the worst. It's like, well, I could go get another job or I could start. It's like the empowerment of the I and the improvement of myself. But I will just ask you, like, because you used to do relationship coaching and I know you have so much knowledge about it. If you could share a couple like relationship pointers, maybe a few things to people who are looking for a partner and maybe a few things for couples who want to improve their relationship. So for people who are looking for a partner, I 
a hundred percent believe that how you feel about yourself affects who you attract. Mm. So not to get super woo woo law of attraction, but from personal experience, um, when I was in very, very unhealthy relationships, I was attracting partners who were validating my insecurities and were treating me like shit because I was treating myself like shit just to be honest. And I just think that your relationship with yourself is the most important one that you will ever have because it sets the precedent for all other relationships in your life. So you teach people how to treat you. You know, if you're taking shit from people, like they're going to give you shit and just work on yourself. Like, don't think that a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever will fix all your problems because they won't. That is a band-aid, and chances are that person is not going to be good for you. Yeah. Yeah, and then as far as being in a relationship, um, the most common, okay, so number one, money is like the biggest thing that people fight over, but let's not even get into that because I can talk about money stuff all day long. (laughs) But um, I'd say communication, well, respect and communication. You need to respect your partner. You do not respect your partner. You are fucked. Also, being aware of how you guys communicate. And I'm going to throw another thing, like the love language, love languages. But in regards to communication, it's like sometimes you need to spell it out for your partner. You know, you can't just assume that they know what makes you happy. Or like you can't just assume that they know to take out the trash, like I know it's so small, but it's like just saying, let's, okay, I'm gonna think of an example. Let's say, I'll use my own example. I dated someone who legit thought that I dressed like really bad because like my vibe is very like leggings and like a t shirt and like Adidas slides. Like I'm very like laid back. Um, An issue with the way that I dressed. So instead of telling me something like, oh my God, you look so good tonight. Like, I love what you're wearing. And like encouraging me to take better care of myself or encouraging me to, you know, get more done up. He was like, what are you wearing? Like, stop dressing like that. Like, it's so gross. Like, that's literally how he would speak to me. So first of all, it was not for me. And second yeah. of all, you can, you just need to work on how you, your delivery, you right. know? you can change, you can't change another person, but you can change your relationship and like get what you want out of it. This sounds so manipulative. It's not, I promise. But as long as you are communicating clearly Mm -hmm. and kindly, Mm. and a lot of couples don't do that. It's a lot of mind reading, a lot of attacking, like, and you know what? Like, you can't necessarily blame the people because chances are their parents communicated in that same way. And they're just repeating that cycle, yeah. 100%. So it's like, it was always, when I did couples therapy, a lot of it was like, they would tell me a fight that they had. And then I'd have the person who was upset tell me how they interpreted what was said. And then I would have that person tell them what they actually meant. Yeah. And so it was just a lot was lost in translation and um yeah that's huge especially when you introduce like text messaging to further blur (laughs) because it's like you put a period at the end like you're mad at me I'm like what it's like you put all caps you're yelling at me (laughs) 
So I'm totally guilty of that, but it's like, we internalize like so many of those things mm-hmm. and like, it could just be like your partner was like in a hurry and they just like did like the double tap. So it became a peer, like it's yeah. whatever. So yeah. that's, something that's huge. I feel like I just went off on like a mini tangent, but yeah. um, another one is definitely the love languages. Yeah. So knowing what your partner needs in order for them to feel loved. Yes. So maybe like my older brother, for example, he like loves acts of kindness. Like you don't need to give him a hug. You don't need to tell him he looks great. Mm-hmm. You just need to like bring him dinner, like bring dinner to his house. And like, he will feel so loved. Whereas like someone else might need like words of affirmation. Like they might need to know how you feel about them, you know, or someone might need gifts. So it's like figuring out what your partner's love language is. Mm-hmm. There is a quiz for that online. Yeah. Just for the, just for uh, the yeah. listeners, the, the five love languages are what physical affection, words of affirmation. Did I mess that up? Oh no! I think you said there. There are five, or there. Yeah. Five, five. <laughs> Did I say seven? No, no. I thought I may have said seven. Oh no! I think no. you said five. Um, but just to quickly just give a quick run- rundown, um, it's words of affirmation, physical touch, quality, um, time together, yes. acts of service, and then yes. gifts. Yes. Yeah. What are your two and your boyfriend's two? So mine is physical touch and words of affirmation. And then his is quality time. Okay. So you can just have one top one. You you can have multiple. So mine are like, my two are tied. Okay. And his is quality time. Yeah. Which I like lucked out. Like don't need to buy him anything. Don't need to touch him. (laughs) Just just be in the room with him and you guys are good. (laughs) Sit there in silence. Um, Yeah. No. So it's, I think it's important. And I used to, um, my mom actually used to teach a class about the five love languages. Mm. And this was a few years ago. And I honestly, it's like, I was just like, what? Like, what's the point of this? And then I like started to realize the importance of it. And now I like, even when I worked at the treatment center, I would have people take the quiz like all the time. Yeah. Like, like what do you need to feel loved? <laughs> so mm-hmm. it is very important. I do recommend it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for covering so many different topics uh, today. Do you have any, any parting wisdom for a listener, again, who might be new to the journey of themselves, like what they can do as next steps? So I did mention that exercise regarding the judgments. Yes. I highly, highly, highly recommend that. So writing out your top 10 judgments and then forgiving yourself for having them and then reframing those. But I also just want to remind people to be nice to themselves. You know, it's like so many of us are hard on ourselves and you deserve to be kind to yourself. Like you are who you need to be. You will get to where you want to be. You know, just chill out. I got your back. Brendan's got your back. I'm bringing you into this. All right, I'm in. You know, just be nice to yourself. Engage in self-care and self-care isn't like, a spa day. Self-care can be reading your favorite book. It can mm-hmm. be having your favorite latte. You know, like do nice things for yourself because you deserve it. That's that's amazing. It's beautiful. It's so powerful. Thank you so much for coming on, Sophie. Where can people find you if they want to see more, especially your Instagram dances where you're <laughs> 
kicking your booty and sharing your self-love wisdom. Totally. Um, my Instagram is I am Sophie Nick. Nick is N-I-K. Perfect. Then, yeah, I'm on Facebook too, but Instagram's a little more fun. So follow me on that and send me a message. Beautiful. Well, Sophie, thanks again so much for coming on the show. I look forward to talking again soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Adventure Days podcast. You can see more at AdventureDays.com, D-A-Z-E, or directly in the podcast app. Thanks again and have a great day.